Welcome to Everything Imaginable, a podcast for curious minds. KGRA Radio. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I'm your host, Gary Cacciolillo. Today we have Chris Lee, past life regression therapist and author of four books. Thank you for being on my show, Chris. Thank you for inviting me. Awesome. Yeah, it's been so. How's everything down in Alabama? Hot. Yeah. Hot and muggy. Yeah. Actually, I'm in Ontario, Canada. I live near uh, Windsor, Ontario, which is across the river from Detroit. So I guess people are a bit of a bad, you know, where I am sort of thing. But yeah, so I've been doing this for a long time. So what, do you, what, do you, what would you like to know? Um, well, how did you become interested in past lives? Okay. Well, about 25 years ago, Gary, I had a chance to take a course, do a course on clinical hypnotherapy. And I took that and I realized that uh, in the course, past life was not mentioned or not, not in the agenda. And being open-minded, you know, other students were talking about a bit about it. And I, I know, again, open mind, because there's got to be more to it than, than just, you know, getting a paycheck and and uh, working at a job for 40 years, retiring and dying seven years later because you had nothing to do or you were bored. So I started listening to them. And then some point during the training, somebody must have mentioned to the main instructor about past life. And now there's 24 of us in our, in our, in our, in our school or class. And so we were all teamed up. I was actually teamed up with a medical uh, MD, a medical doctor. He was tired of giving people pills for the placebo effect. And he, so the teacher one day said, does anybody like to see a demonstration of past life? So 24 hands went up. Who wants to volunteer? 24 hands came down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> not because of fear or anything, or maybe not, but everybody, we wanted to watch it. So we bantered back and forth, and like, you go up, you go, why don't you go? And finally, you go went up. That was a dumb joke. And I find when I do my talks, I do live talks, a bit of humor keeps people listening a bit more. So what he did, I had my notebook out, because I, make a lot, I like making a bit of notes, and I went, okay. So he regressed the girls, one of the female students, back to, and she described, about 1930s in the U.S. as a boy about 10 playing on train tracks. I'm sure you've probably done that in your lifetime too. And along came a train and the track did have electric switches, caught the boy's foot and unfortunately he got run over. Right. Now when I do this a live talk, you see people you know, wincing and oh, feel sorry. And I said, it's okay, he came back in another life. Anyhow, so, but I went, wow, this is interesting. And then he regressed her to as a female in 1942 in England, in London. And now you probably remember in 1942, not personally, but remember that that was World War II, right? Right. And it was a bombing raid. And I went, wow, this is really interesting. So at the end, I made lots of notes. Now, that really, really got me interested in doing past life, Gary, was the next day when she came to class, she stood up and said, hey, guys, I've always wondered why I hated trains and thunder. 
And I went, whoa, because I could see the connection. But the big thing that got me into it, she said, it's gone. All these fears, like she wasn't like that old, but she said that fear all her life, they were gone in a matter of moments. Because when you see what it's about, and if it's nothing current that's uh, going to be a problem, we let it go. We finished the program as and got my clinical hypnotherapy. Now, clinical hypnotherapy deals with current life only. It does uh, use, uh, slows you, you slow people down and you know, take them back to earlier in their life. But I found after about a year, I had opened a practice. What's another interesting thing? How come people call it a practice, like doctors call it a practice and stuff? Right. Like, wouldn't you like to deal with somebody that's already finished? They're not still practicing. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's a bit of humor there. But And I started using current life hypnotherapy, which is what I was trained and doing the usual stereotype thing with uh, you know smoking, weight, confidence. And I found that my effectiveness, I do a lot of notes and stat taking, was after about a year was about about 25-30%. That's not very high, is it? No. No. So I started reading on past life. And there were some interesting books out there on it. Um, I usually like to mention them so people could read them. Michael Newton has uh, quite a big couple of big books, Life Between Lives, uh, Michael Weiss, Many Lives, Many Masters, and okay, uh, Richard, uh, Richard, uh, um, there's a guy in uh, Arizona, Richard, uh, I'll come to you, I'll tell you later, but he's written a lot, he actually discovered the energy in uh, Sedona, have you ever heard of Rabindu Sedona? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot. It's even just the scenery alone is is quite quite nice. But anyhow, so I started reading and practicing with my student or volunteers. I mean, and I found wow, this is interesting. It actually works using past life. And what happened was that I started applying it to my student or, or my clients. And I found that using past life, Gary, regression, my effectiveness came up to about 95%. Huge improvement. Oh, yes. 25 to 95. Big improvement. There's one side effect, though, is that um, about the 95, what do you think the uh, side of the not not so good part of 95? The other five? That's the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, a lot of people say that. It's actually interesting. It means that you don't have a lot of repeat clients <laughs> when you take care of the concerns because my basically is a one-session type of situation, sometimes two. The only time I ever do really two sessions with anybody is only because often they have a list of aches and pains, fears and phobias, debilitating emotions that is hard to handle in one, one and a half to two-hour session. So... That's how I got into it and continued with it. Um, So how about your technique? Like, how do you get somebody to connect with their past life memories? Like, I can understand, like, I can remember far back as being, before I could walk or some of my earliest memories. I remember being able to, like, crawling on the floor and stuff like that. Wow, that's cool. Um, But I don't remember anything before that. that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
Let me explain what it's about. As you know, we have a mind. We get a brain. Forget that. We're not talking about the brain. We're talking about the human mind. The mind is made up of two parts, conscious and subconscious. I'm sure you've heard of that. Yes. Now, the percentage of your mind that is called the conscious is actually only about 5%. The subconscious, obviously, is 95%. The subconscious... Well, the conscious uh, job is actually, it's never been to past life. It's a processor. Like, it, you know, we do some thinking, we pull up some memories and stuff like that. It's like, again, the processor of a computer. But the subconscious is amazing. It stores facts. It stores every second of your current life and past lives. That can vary because I've had people with only maybe 10 past lives and I've had people with over a thousand. The reason that because they're, faster it's just that allegedly if you read michael newton's books they're still making more uh energy we're, we're actually in energy and we they put us together in groups you might have heard of the word soul groups yes i have yeah i like to tell people all soul groups aren't from motown <laughs> <laughs> and older people don't get or younger people don't get that one so i when i signed that in one of my books so i make sure that they know what motown was make more connection of the humor. But anyhow, so what happened is, is that I found that when you slow the, the, the memories, the thing is, is that your subconscious basically, okay, we're backing up a pinch. When we're born, Gary, our conscious subconscious are actually together. They don't separate to about the age of seven or eight. That's when your conscious starts thinking and, and then you're, you're get more adult type or, or can remember stuff for our parents start teaching us life, which doesn't mean it's correct. But anyhow, in fact, that's also why kids under seven or eight have imaginary friends. I'm sure you've heard of that. Oh yes. Did, did you have one? I did. Mm -hmm. Actually I didn't, but, uh, but the whole point is the reason why is because your past lives are actually your imaginary friend is one of your past lives. It's really you. It's just that you can get to that memory because up to seven or eight, your conscious subconscious are together. You can grab that memory. Too many parents tell the kids, don't, that's not real. You get over it, stuff like that. And around seven or eight, they do start to lose that. I always say, do the opposite. Ask them to have some, you know, the kids to describe your imaginary friend, maybe the buried treasure or something, <laughs> maybe be able to find it. <laughs> All of a sudden you got to trip down to the Bahamas to go looking for a sunken treasure or whatever. But yeah, talk to them. And that's how it works. Now around seven or eight, your conscious starts speeding up and it starts going about three times faster than your conscious. There's a layer that gets in between the two. It's a buffer layer. Now, the reason why it's there is more logic again, is that let's say you had 100 past lives. That's a lot of memory in the subconscious, isn't it? Yes. Now, if you're conscious, you're walking along, trying to work on life and do stuff, and if it wasn't separated, all these 100 past life memories flood in, I think we'd be a little confused during the day, wouldn't you? Absolutely. Yes. I'm so already confused as it is. <laughs> But what it is, is that, yes, it's a buffer. The only thing it back, it sort of backfires in a sense is that's why it's also harder for you to get back to your memories because of that layer in between. That's why when I do have, work with my people, I have them slow down. When you slow down, 
it's easier to get to the subconscious memories. Most people in current life do not believe in that, obviously, because you're here. Usually, you don't remember much in your current life till about the age of two. And so you remember seeing yourself crawling around. That means you've got a better access to your subconscious than most people. I've actually taken three clients back to watch themselves being born. Mm. Now, confusing thing is when I first started doing this, using logic, I thought that when people saw their memories that they were recording them, like looking through the eyes like a camera. And I'm going, how can you watch yourself being born? worked it out is that yes our energy which occupies the human body is not just contained within the skin of it it goes out it surrounds us i mean it gets thinner and thinner further away you've heard you've probably had experiences where you walk into a room and you can tell it's a lot of happy because without even looking around you just feel it or tension uh, that type of thing or somebody's charisma because you feel the tent your energy touches their energy so that's when I found out that you can actually watch because your energy all around you also records everything. So I, when people do start off in a past life, there's interesting, there's no rhyme or reason, but when I start off with a client and I take you to, your, to a past life, it's sort of half and half that you start off looking through the eyes or you start watching yourself. Now, I use a scientific method to determine which one it is. I say to the client, are you looking through the eyes or watching yourself? <laughs> okay, simple. It's actually quite simple. That's why people are taking my training. But what happens if you're looking through the eyes, I just say, I'll snap my fingers, move outside. Now, the client is sitting in a chair beside me, to my, usually to my left because I'm right-handed, so I write notes. So I do not ever have them behind the desk. I have to remind my students when I teach them, don't do that. Because when you're at a desk and the people are on the other side, what situations are generally that? Doctors telling you bad news, you're being a policeman. The principal sending you to detention. (laughs) Oh, that's actually, I forgot about that one. That's a good one. Principal, uh, uh, lawyers and stuff like that. So you you already, that gives you the impression of, of, ominous but if you're sitting beside the client or, or the the like me and also one more thing it's sitting there's a stereotype for a lot of the things out there one of the stupid stereotyping thing is people when they come in say where do i lay down and i'll say why are you paying me to sleep because your subconscious works on repetition what do you generally do when you lay down you could sleep. go to sleep relaxing so I can't talk to you while you're sleeping. So I have you sit down. The reason is they think that they disappear and might fall off the chair. Another BS thing. I'll get to that in a sec. But anyhow, they're sitting beside you with their eyes closed because it's easier to not be distracted by with your eyes open. So when I say move outside of that person, boom. And then what happened is, is that the woman, the first woman that came that wanted to see herself being born, The reason for that was because she wondered why she looked more like her older sister than her mother. It turned out the older sister was her mother. Back in the older days, it was more embarrassing. So often uh, unwanted pregnancies, the grandma became mother and the sister just grew up with her. But also make sure that people can handle that information. No, like, you know, let's go and give them heck or something. So, and the other two were similar too. But past lives, now I notice one uh, list I do get people say, is this the first past, is this the first life they've had on this planet? It could be on this planet because. Right. Yeah, it's one of my questions other, I wrote. 
Yeah, is the uh, that we have actually lives on other planets. I uh, get into that later a bit, because we're not the only one in this billions of planets. Like, get over it. And we, the UFOs, come on, they're real. They are actually more intelligent. And there's different theories about whether we were planted here sort of thing or experiment, but there's different things. But the point I'm making is if it was their first life ever, they wouldn't be seeing me because people come to see me to do with aches, pains, fears, and phobia, et cetera, et cetera. These come from past lives. If you haven't had a past life, you wouldn't have that concern, would you? No. Makes sense. So, but uh, what it's about is I'm, first of all, I'm not a reader. I should have mentioned it right off the bat. There are people out there that call themselves past life readers. Mm, it's like fingernails and chalkboard. What it is, is they'll look at you and say, Gary, hey, you, you were a gypsy in a past life. Well, here's my reaction to that. Who cares? You know, are you going to dance better? Is that going to make any difference? It's more amusement. I mean, so go to hypnotist show. But what it's about is that I go a different direction. I do not see anything you're seeing, but I love doing this because I've worked with thousands of past lives, and everyone they go to, they're different. If they're all the same, it would be boring. I, in fact, I have many sessions where I have a aha moment. That didn't see that coming. But once I do see it, and I always will, because I'll ask your subconscious explain why we're seeing that, <laughs> then I do know how to let it have it let go. So I don't, there's no such thing as curing and stuff like that with what I do. I help you eliminate, eliminate your persistent. Now, if you fell down and broke your leg, well, that pain the next day is certainly going to be from falling down, nothing to do with past life. But when we can generally our body heal within generally a broken bone six, seven weeks is pretty good shape. But the pain's there for the next 20 years, you've triggered something. Because people say, oh, it's not past life. I had a car accident. Blah, blah, blah. Let's see. That's nice. Hmm. Why is the pain still there? Because normally your subconscious can heal you, but it's being affected by past lives. So maybe that's and, why my leg has been hurting for the last 40 years. you that old? I'm 52, pushing 53. When I was your age, I was 52. <laughs> That's my profoundness. No, I'm a bit older than that. But uh, some days though, when people ask questions, I go off at a tangent and then I forget where I was going with that one. But no, I don't tell. I And again, I don't uh, have you say, you know, when people come in and I just want to go see a funny life. Why not take care of aches and pain? Because do you know anybody? that doesn't have persistent aches, pains, fears, phobias, debilitating emotions, which includes depression, anger, stuck feeling. Do you know anybody that doesn't have those? Then you've come across a rare person. Everybody has some of those. Right. So for somebody who wants to take my training, which is what I'm going to mention, is that you never run out of customers. You can fix them. And remember I said you don't get repeat customers, but there's more people out there than you could ever handle. Even in one city, you can have three or four doing that, and you'll still never run out. Plus, there's people growing up and causing, getting more problems. But the whole point I'm making is you might think it's a current life that, that's the problem, the car accident, or, or somebody scared you in the dark when you were 10 and go, oh, that's where it started. No, it didn't. These are triggers. It triggered the memory from a past life. And when you don't know where it comes from, that's what it's all about. 
what I'd like to quickly do when I do my talk, and this is this is sort of ironic. Uh, last year, no, I've done them in six countries, but Canada's quicker. So I did all ten provinces. That covers uh, more area than the U.S., but uh, about one tenth population. But I did all ten provinces. And what I do is I go and I have some regular places and some new ones that I they host me. I do my talk that the night one evening. And then I find, on average, 84% of the people that do come to my talk to hear what I do book a session for the, over the next few days because I stay there. Now, 84% is pretty good considering when I go there, it's a zero percent of people that have a session booked, unless I've been there before, of course. So that's because I explain what it's about and how it can help the people with all those persistent aches, pains, etc. See, what is what it's about is that I have to always explain hypnosis because the word hypnotherapist, which I don't mention as often, I often say a regression therapist, but people, I know this is going to be hard to believe, Gary, but people have a fear of hypnosis. Oh, it's mind control. Yeah. Yeah. They'll be made to do stuff they don't want to do and that kind of stuff because they watch too much stupid television shows and, and and stereotype. In fact, one of the stereotyping is that swinging watch. You ever seen that where they yes. swinging a watch? Yes. Or, or or they look into my eyes. I, <laughs> I know it's Christopher bullshit. Lee. <laughs> it's now I'll tell you why it's bullshit. How do you see a swinging watch when your eyes are closed? Is way beyond me. Because how do you slow down when you go to sleep at night? Do you have your eyes wide open and keep trying to keep them open all night? No. You slow down and your eyes close. And again, your conscious slows down, you get to the memories. But no, it's stereotype because if they have it on TV, what do they do in the corner? They must be doing hypnosis. They're swinging a stupid watch. Another quick one is I worked at my brother's pub in England for a little while. And what I've heard, the stereotyping, in fact, it was on a TV show, uh, Fraser, one night, the old guy said, you gave me a warm beer. If I wanted a warm beer, I'd go to England. How stupid is that? I worked in a pub. Nobody wants warm beer. <laughs> and if you really think of logic back in the old wild west they didn't have fridges the way they kept their drinks cold is they'd dig a deep, deep pit but in the summertime it's not that cold so they would be drinking semi-warm beer too but you don't hear that i'm just saying they're straight and not everybody in the state says you all do they no another silly stereotype is that unfortunately it's americans think that in canada we say oot and a boot I have never met any Canadian in my life that says that. The only people I, I hear saying that are people mimicking, thinking we say that. I thought you guys said, eh, and watched, and, uh, watched hockey and drank beer. No, we, see, uh, we say eh. Eh, that's it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's eh, because uh, it's different than some other countries. It says, huh, huh? <laughs> I won't mention who does that, but it's just it's just an uh, expression. Well, they say Canada, C A N A D A, and our igloos do get soft in the summertime. Yes, what a load of crap. Anyhow, stereotyping. So where am I again? Now, what happened is is that it's to do with. I mentioned I'm not a reader. Now, what it's about is that it's all to do with body cell memory. But actually, I'm going to do one more thing. When I do start off a talk, I have people show hands who believes in past lives, who's not sure, and who doesn't believe in it. And actually, kind of funny, 
Oh, I, yeah, I went off on a tangent. Remember I said I did all 10 provinces. We decided not to go anywhere this year, take a break. And ironically, we couldn't have gone anywhere, could we? No. No. Now, when I do the talk, I have people show hands who believe in it, et cetera. Now, most people that come to this talk do believe in it, but some are dragged there by their spouse, so they put their hands up for not sure. No, I say, that's good, as long as you have an open mind. A real funny one, I did have a big crowd one time, that when I did always say who doesn't, a lady slowly in the middle put her hand up, and everybody started looking at her, and she said, but I got a good excuse. My daughter believes in past lives, and she needed a ride here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so that helped. So she, she actually asked a lot of questions afterwards. She was quite intent on it because I work with five male medical doctors and you talk about people that should be skeptical, but some come from more than one because they know that placebo effect, you know, the power of suggestion and they ha they're not immune from their own like sore back and, and odds and ends. So now body cell memory. What it's about is that the AMA, American Medical Association, sent, put out some papers a few years ago from their studies that they've proven that people with organ transplants are picking up the traits of the person that had that organ. People, one guy didn't like mm -hmm. pizza, loves pizza. One guy can plays piano better. It's, it's in, I always say just make sure you don't get an organ transplant from a serial killer but I, they, they don't do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's all to do with body memories. And one more thing too, is that when I do have the people put their hand up that aren't sure about it, I say, have an open mind because so, is that like at a cellular level or like a DNA level? Like uh -huh. that type of memory? Yeah, it's in, it's right in your DNA. And I'll get to that in a sec here. I just wanted to finish one quick little test for your audience is that you've probably heard that there's a word called imagination, correct? It's new on my show. <laughs> yeah. Now, I like to tell people things that are profound. And if you think you made up everything, that's fine. But there's no such thing as imagination. People have that look on the face like, what the hell is he talking about? So I always do an example. I do this. I have everybody... And the audience close their eyes. So they all close their eyes. Take a deep breath. So you can, if anybody's listening to it, when people, when people listening to the show, please, please follow along. Take a big deep breath. Eyes are closed. Now, in your mind's eye, now most people are visual. You can see it, but some aren't. They sense it. Either way, it doesn't matter. But in your mind's eye, see or sense or visualize a lemon. A big, bright, yellow, sour, juicy lemon. Cutting it up and taking a bite of one of those pieces of sour, juicy lemon, chewing on it, feel that texture, swallowing it. Then I wait a moment and say, now let's just try one more piece. There's lots there. Have another piece of that sour, juicy lemon. When I finish that one, then I say, open your eyes. Now, over half the crowd, and I always joke and say, half of you here are making faces at me, and your faces are all scrunched up from that sour taste. And another bunch will have tasted it, but didn't quite screw up their face. Did you taste it or, uh, at all? Yes, I could definitely at least smell it. <laughs> yeah. 
Now, the point I'm making to the people, now, I do have people that say it didn't work. Another one say, will say, oh, I like lemons. So what? If you like lemons, your mouth can still water. But uh, I did have one lady insisted. So I said, what's your favorite dessert? She couldn't see or taste the lemon. She said, pumpkin pie. So I said, close your eyes. So she did. We all stared at her. I said, picture in your mind's eye, somebody serving you a piece of warm pumpkin pie with lots of whipped cream over it. And she'd come with another lady, and that lady next to her was passing her a tissue because this lady now was starting to wipe her mouth because she was drooling. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so in other words, I can always find something. Just lemons are more common to have more people react. But the big point I'm making here, Gary, is there's nothing in their mouth. Their body is reacting. But what are they reacting to? Memory. Perfect. Good answer. I give out virtual cookies for people to get the right answers and also laugh at the right times. So you got a cookie. I appreciate it. Okay. It's a memory. If they're reacting to a memory, I guarantee you 100% that your, that your mouth will never water if you've never tasted a lemon. It can't work on imagination. You can't imagine to make your mouth water. It just doesn't work. You'd have to think of maybe a line, but then you're thinking of a different memory. But it's the memory. So therefore, you can't imagine it. So therefore, there's no imagination, is there? So everything in my mind is something I've experienced? Yeah. Now, it could be from past life. So that's another thing. That's probably part. The point I'm making, though, is that you cannot make it up. So I can't say, pick, pick, pitch your lemon, make your mouth water. It wouldn't work. So that's what I'm leading to. So imagination. But the point is, is that I say to people, if you're not sure about past lives, I don't care. Because when you finish the session and your three problems are gone, which they will be, who cares? So whether it's not imagination or not, I do get people, this is kind of cute, is that they'll say, I made it all up, and their problems are still gone, though. Now, I have a nice, polite answer. I look at the person and say to them, this is after, I say to them, you're not bright enough, and neither am I. That way they don't feel so bad. <laughs> stupid. Now, let me explain. The conscious would be the one that's the clever one or, or, or has an attitude problem. It would think it made it up. So if I say to you in the session, uh, we determined there's England, your subcon will give you the answers. It's very good at this. And I'll say, what year is it? And if eight, if you say 18 or two and you say, think in your conscious, which is still there, but not as much, we'll go, I'm going, to, I'm going to make it up. I'm going to say 1802. Where did it get the 1802? The conscious has no memory. It gets it from the subconscious. The subconscious doesn't play games. It's very, very accurate. So when 1802 pops up and you think you made it up, which I don't care anyways, it is the right answer. So we are, right. you, can't, you can't make it up. But the whole thing is, is that when you slow down, it's easy to get to the memories. Now, there's nothing magical about it. If you have a list of things, including, say, a pain in your shoulder for the last 10 years, when we are working on the, and in a session, I can actually take care of two to six different concerns. I call them concerns. Don't give them labels to their big 30, 30 letter ailments or something. Just call it a concern. Like, for example, if they say it's C6 or C7, I don't care. I say, is it upper, lower, middle, back? That's all I need to know. At some point, it doesn't care. But anyhow, so what happened, though, is that it 
I just say, let your subconscious take you back, show you the cause of their concern in your shoulder. I don't even say left or right because that's leading. They already know it's the left shoulder. And everybody within moments, because I ask simple questions like, first of all, are you indoors or outdoors? Now, even if you're not a visual person, which some aren't, you'll still be able to sense where the interceptors in town, in a building. You know, that we, we sort of get it going. Then I'll say, what's happening? And they'll go, oh, I'm in a battle. And I'm wearing shiny armor. I'm on a horse. I got a big sword, a big battle. And somebody just threw a spear and it got me in the left shoulder. Or got me in the shoulder. They usually just say shoulder. And... I'll say, which one? I don't say, is it the left or right? Or is it the one you're worried about? I don't lead at all. I'll just say, which shoulder? Now, the odds that it's the shoulder they have the problem with is 100%. Okay? <laughs> but they're seeing it. I'm not telling them. I don't know what it is. But I love doing this because I, I get a lot of aha moments. And then, then right after that, they get that spear. Then I'll say, now, they're sitting in the desk or at the chair. Move your left shoulder around. So eyes closed, but they lift the shoulder up. And I've had people that couldn't bring their, their arm up to lower, like parallel to the ground. They were, too, in fact, New Zealand and uh, Alberta, they were trying to touch the ceiling. And the pain was about zero. I do give them a test or, or scale. I'll say zero to 10. This is after they move their arm. 10 is the way it hurts. Zero is cleared up. What number would you say you're at? Your subconscious will tell you. Most of the time, it's about one, two, or three, because you do get residue from muscles that have been held tight for long. Within two days, it goes to zero. But that's how this works. So I don't tell you where it is. I don't know where you're going to go. Your subconscious is working off that memory. It's because you haven't finished a lesson in that life. That's what it's all about. We come into the earth, to, into the human form to learn lessons. And even people that aren't sure about past life do agree with that because you know, you're going to learn something. And what happens is, is that when you come into the human form, uh, Gary, we have a soul group. Why? When I get heavy questions at talks, I, my common answer is, I don't know, but I know how to get rid of it. Would that be okay? Because I don't like to get into heavy debates and stuff because uh -huh. I don't really care. And I'm not there. I do read Michael Newton's books. It's quite interesting. But anyhow, so what happened is, is that apparently we're being made all the time and then put together into a group. Now, the groups can vary. There's about a, a five. To, the groups are generally five to 20. And whatever size your group is, that's what it's always been. You're put together and you're supposed to learn. We come into the human form because energy does not feel aches, pains, and then emotions. That's apparently why. Because we're supposed to have our soul group make, get mature. Why? I don't know, but that seems to be the way it is. So when we come in, we have to pick a sort of a scene. We pick our parents. We pick where we're going. It's not like you get together. You're sitting there in your energy form saying, what should we do next? We're going to finish. We're going to do this lesson here. Uh, we take roles. You're the bad guy. You're the good guy. We all take turns and mm -hmm. you're going to be the one that just pops in, you know, will that be fries of that order? And then you're gone. But then when we go into the human form, we totally forget for two reasons. One is just seems to be the way it's made up. But second is how would you really learn if you had the script in your hand? You know what I'm saying like how you have to pretend you're excited or you no, know, you don't. 
And I cannot find for anybody, any client, what their life purpose is. They won't let me do that. I've tried, it doesn't work. But they do like it when I get rid of your pains and aches that are from past lives that are getting in the way. Hmm. For example, the most common fear, I've worked with 141 different fears and phobias. You know, a lot of them are onesies. But the most common fear is heights. Now, let's say you have a fear of heights. And your life lesson is to save a family that live on a mountain. They're going to be toast, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Because you're not going there. <laughs> so they like it if I get rid of your fear of heights, which had nothing to do with this. So you can do your life lesson. Because you see, when we don't finish a life lesson, it'll be for one of two reasons. One, you're really screwed up. You know, you're supposed to have been you know, like Mother Teresa and you became Jack the Ripper. I think you screwed up. Or we get killed too early in life, which happens a lot. The main thing is that lesson doesn't go away. It's still there. But when we come into the human form, we always have a new lesson, but the old ones drag along with it. That's why some people, a lady in, in, uh, in uh, Australia typed out on her list of things to do, 32 items. Like typing makes it even you know, tinier. We Two sessions, we got rid of a fair amount because a lot of times things overlap. Like, why are you depressed and not happy? Obviously, quite often it's the same life. But what happens? So, the the uh, when they come in, so that is what it's about. You drag them along with you, get in your way. So my job is to help you find where they come from, which is easy to do, and let's and you let it go. Now. I work on cause and effect. Have you ever had stress, Gary? No. <laughs> okay. Have you ever known anybody with stress? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And people with stress often get a stress headache. Have you ever heard of that? Yes. Yeah. Now, what do most people do for a headache? They take a painkiller. Okay, most do. I'm not going to mention brands because there's too many of them and they already mentioned enough of them on TV. They take a painkiller. Now, the painkiller can often eliminate that pain for that, that they're experiencing. But the big question is, does that eliminate the stress? Temporary. Oh, well, no, no. It just eliminates no, no. <laughs> the, the symptom of the stress. Yes, the effect, cause and effect. The cause is the stress. The effect is the, the headache. So my system goes after the cause because when you get rid of the cause, you don't have the effect. And that is how it works. My system, I gave it a fancy name. And in fact, I evolve with it. I'm learning all the time. Just when I think I've seen everything, which I never do, sure enough, more new stuff will show up. In fact, some of my grads will send me stuff that they had seen that I hadn't seen because it just happens and we often share stuff. So when I do have a grad, I don't just say, kick you out there and away you go. We you know, chat a lot. And what happened is I call it the unknown noise, okay? And a good example of that, I always like to give examples. Here's another word picture for you. You don't have to close your eyes for this one. Picture that you're living alone in a big house, and there's a big wind, big windy night. Big windy night. Middle of the night, there's a crash, and you jump up and go, what the hmm is that? Notice I'm being polite there. And then you hear it again, and you realize it's just the wind blowing a branch against the window. 
So unless you are going to fix it, you could procrastinate a car. I wouldn't just say, I'll fix it later and go back to sleep. A few hours later, there's another crash and you jump up and go, what the is that? And it's different, very different. Never heard this before. Now, that's when you can, your mind can go amok. It's like somebody coming to kill me, a boogeyman or somebody going to break in. And you just take, you know, it just runs rampant. Now, unless you check it out, you'd probably do like a lot of people is you pull up your bulletproof covers. We did that when we were kids, remember? And hope for the best. Well, you're not going to sleep well because that noise is still banging around. You get up in the morning, you got to go to work, you're going out the door, still windy, and you hear that noise again off to your left. And you quickly look to the left. And you notice that it's a metal garbage can bouncing around in the wind. The neighbor's now got garbage can. He used to have bags. Now it's a can. When you see that, Gary, you're going to make a profound statement, which is, it's a garbage can, plus some adjectives about the stupid neighbor. <laughs> Next night, you're in bed, another dark, spooky, windy night. The wind's howling again. Probably time for a vacation or something. But anyhow, garbage cans blow over like they do, and you hear the noise. There's a 50-50 chance you don't wake up. But if you do, you're going to make your profound statement again, which is? It's a garbage can. Yes, and a stupid neighbor. Now, there is a point here, Gary. The noise is the same both nights. Why doesn't it bother you on the second night? Because you know what it is. Perfect answer. Yes, I keep it simple. I get people going to, well, there's memories. No, no. You know what it is. Now, you know what it is. Unless you feel the garbage cans are coming to kill you, you would let it go. Any other time that noise pops up, you'll still be annoyed at the neighbor. But why would it bother you? You know what it is. It's when you've got aches and pains that are hanging around or fears or, or conditions that they've had tests done. Doctors can do all the kind of tests they do. And if you've got a pain or ache brought in from a past life, there's nothing they can do for you. They can relieve the pain a bit, but remember, aspirin, stress headache, cause and effect, the Band-Aid. So seeing it lets it go. And when you see it, it's not like I have to you know, do a whole ritual. It's just simply I'll say, is that a different life? And you'll say yes, and I said, let it go. And you do. The point is you still have to finish the lesson from that life, but you don't have to drag in the extra pains because the body cell memory duplicates the pain. If it's something that uh, it can just tighten up the muscle to hurt, it will do that. But if it's not strong enough, it mm-hmm. will actually put bones out of alignment to hurt. That is where you get things like arthritis, which is not really at all what people think it is. It's not a condition or it's not a disease. It's a past life thing. Your bones are out of alignment, especially like fingers and, and ankles. And what happened is, is that, yes, people with arthritis, you know, they start getting like swellings in their knuckles because when it's out of joint, it's not flowing properly. So you do get calcium. So it does cause a physical effect from having it, but it wasn't the effect was first. It was the past life. Good example of that one is a lady came in to see me a couple of years ago. And she had, she said for six years, like she had her hands up, showed me that she couldn't really hardly hold a pen and it's been bothering her. And she was in her mid fifties, about fifty two. <laughs> mid fifties, yes. So what happened was 
I said, let's, let's add it to your list. Because a lot of people come in with stuff that they got conditions or everything, and they think it's they're stuck with it, their way of life, and they don't realize that 98% of stuff is past life. So what I did was I went in the session and I went to the point where I said, now I'll let your subconscious take you to a different past life, the one that's the cause of your hand concerns. I don't say arthritis because you're now giving a name to it that you don't need. I just say the hand's concerns. Within moments in her mind's eye, she said we determined she was female in a dungeon. Dungeons are responsible for a lot of stuff. That's why my fourth book, Crimes Against Humanity, mentions that, and I'll talk about that in a bit. Okay. And the guards were taking a hammer and smashing her hands. Guards used to torture you. In fact, guards in the old, old days were not therapists. <laughs> they weren't nice guys. They were not too bright, and that was their job. They liked torturing people sometimes to get information, sometimes just for something to do because they get bored. They were smashing her hands. So when she saw that, and one thing also to mention for your audience too, is that when you see these things, you don't abreact. There's no, oh God, no, no. It never happens. And I've done found these. What really happens is, oh, it's a relief. I know where it came from. That's what you get. You do not get any screaming into the dark. It's all TV bullshit movies it's a total ah yes maybe you were a serial killer in a past life that doesn't affect you in this life in fact you probably forget about it after a while but you get rid of whatever you did during that life that you brought in not the killing part but anyhow so i said now move your hands again sitting beside me eyes closed and you remember rice krispies they had that yes. commercial snap crackle and pop I mm -hmm. thought I was listening to a Rice Krispie commercial because she had she was moving had her hands up and she was moving them and it was like crackle snap pop. Crack. The bones were going back into joint into alignment, and it was about 15, 20 seconds. It didn't sound long, but try moving your hands like that. It slowly stopped, and then she started moving her fingers fluidly, and afterwards she could pick up a pen. Everything it was gone. There was probably there probably would have been a little bit there because again muscles being held at a joint for a long time does have a bit of residue, but within two or three days the last little bit disappears. So she had what she was called told arthritis. No, it's just a condition past life. There's so many things there. What else would you like to know? I have a question. Um, when people die, they say they see a light. Is that them actually being born again? Coming out no, of a womb? No, good question. TV again. Almost never, no, almost nobody sees a light. Uh, here's how this works. When we die, the body stops. We don't die. We are energy. We just leave. Now, an interesting fact that you can learn from reading Michael Newton's books is that our energy is so strong that when we come into the human form, we only need a small part, about 10%. Think of it putting like a, a computer into a robot. And if it was way too powerful, it would blow it up. So it's only about 10%. So we end up having what's called stuck lives if we, we, we do have that. But anyhow, when they die... It's confusing. They hang around. It's because it is dying is confusing and a bit disorienting. So we actually hang around. In fact, almost everybody describes their funeral, unless you're 
unless you're hung and thrown in a pit or something. But they often describe, so I always say, if you're ever at a funeral, maybe look around and wonder where the guy is watching or the woman's watching from, because we do stay for a while. And when you are ready to leave, somebody in the energy form will come to meet you to help you leave because you can get a bit stuck there, especially the older you are, you get sort of too much used to it, used to it. So they do help you leave, but you go then to your soul group. You don't get born until you get to your group and decide on the next one you're going to go to. So you don't, now it is quicker than it used to be. Like sometimes people are coming back within, you know, two or three, four or five years, but it's, you don't go from death into another life. You just, you have to have worked out. You know, so there's a transition period. Well, you go, when you go to the soul group, it's like I take people to the soul group from the dying and that's when people see that who's in there and they go, wow, I had a feeling they'd be in my group or what are they doing there? Because they had picked to be bad. So, and you might not recognize all of them because sometimes some are in your life now and, or, or coming into it, uh, into the next one or your current life. I mean, because uh, if you knew that they were from your soul group, you wouldn't take them as seriously. But you can also have karma in your soul group. Now, karma is a big misunderstood word. Karma is not payback TV again. Karma is just misunderstanding. It was like a different past life. Like, are we still friends? Uh, we were supposed to be enemies in a different life because that was our roles. But we didn't finish it. Am I still doing that and vice versa? That's why they come into your life and still doing that. And they weren't supposed to. I have one lady that said at the end of the session, she could now pronounce her son-in-law's name without clenching her teeth. <laughs> and another one, her mother started talking to her again because he cleared it up. It was to do with another life. Now that's when you go to stuck lives. After the soul group, I do have you, let your subconscious tell you, do you have any? And also I let your subconscious tell you how many past lives you've had on this planet. And it's very accurate. But I also check to see if you're stuck in something. Because remember, when somebody comes to meet you, you don't have to leave. You can hang around. This happens more with very strong emotions like a revenge. I'm going to kill the people that killed me or confusion. Am I really dead? Or I still got family to help, which is a little bit difficult to do when you are dead. Or more to do. There's a number of things. But those emotions... And if you're stuck there, they stay there. But they're also affecting you because you're part of the same emotion from the same group. So that's why a lot of people have things like depression and, and uh, angers and stuff. I had one lady, she said, I've been angry most of my life, and I don't know why. Life's been good. I just feel angry. Turned out one of her stuck lives had anger. So what I do is I have you take that energy home to the soul group. And immediately she started sitting up straight in the chair. She says, this feels fantastic. This is what anger gone, it feels like. I like it. That's why current life therapy, Gary, is almost a waste of time. How Think about the logic? How about Sorry? ghosts? If everybody's reincarnated <laughs> and is in it, how, how do you explain the existence of, of paranormal in ghosts in this life mm. that, that seems well, to be the ones that are still stuck. People? Yeah, that's the ones that are still stuck. In fact, my brother was a ghost hanging around a monastery for 100 years. The only reason he left is because they tore down the monastery. But, yes, we don't really out there to really, in, in general, we're not out there to scare the heck out of people. But if we do hang around, 
sometimes there are people that are more in tune. Like my wife is a psychic medium and she sees and talks to dead people. So she does. Not everybody can do that. But those are people, yes, that are a bit stuck. There'll be, there'll be a reason. And again, by seeing where uh, when I do work with my clients, we go to your stuck lives, we can take them home. And that way it gets rid of the emotions that are affecting you. That stuck feeling. A lot of people have got this, they feel stuck all the time. That's because you've got at least one stuck life because it's going to feel stuck because it is. Take it home. And that stuck feeling disappears. Can a person exist in multiple states at one time? Like can a person be in this life and be a ghost and exist in a different time all at once? Like is everything happening at once? Or is time actually linear and there's just one me? Good question. Yeah, time, first of all, is going on past, present, future. So when I say, when I say, and I have you actually talked to some of your past lives, it's not like they're going like 300 years back. You go, hello, back there. No, they're right beside you and forward. But yes, you can be, in fact, there's a situation that's called parallel lives. Remember I mentioned that you can, uh, when you come into human form, 10%, so when you do, you can have three or four or five stuck lives. That means they're, you know, they're gone, they're stuck, but in your way, you're still alive in this life. Well, we actually can have parallel lives, and most of us do now, is that you can be in more than one body currently at one time. And the reason I'm finding that's more about, like I say, you have 20 lessons not finished, and because Earth is changing, and we have to finish our lessons, and some people go through many lives trying to finish a lesson, we've got to do it quicker because you have to finish it on the same planet. Now, just for example, if this planet disappeared and you hadn't finished them, that's going to be a problem. So we designate, say you, it's like, say like you have 20 lessons to finish and you just say, you take four, you take four, you take four and pass them out. And then they go and take care of them. The interesting thing is those parallel lives are affecting you, but they generally don't know about you because they don't know about, unless they do a session with me, they wouldn't know. But the thing is, is that if they are having problems, like you ever have a time you just feel out of the blue, like, wow, I feel like I won a lottery or something, but then it disappears or you're really happy and for a moment you feel depressed, but it's gone, which is not so common. It'd be one of them is experiencing that. So if they are in your face, then just like the stuck life, what I do is say, go and see that parallel life. And I always say, how are they reacting? It's always like, who the hell are you? <laughs> because they've never heard of you. Then I just say, tell them to keep their emotions and agenda to themselves. And they will realize fairly quickly that now why? And then sometimes you can even ask them, is there anything I can do to help you? Because the bottom line is you're all working together to get rid of your concerns, so help each other. So yes, and some of them could be, like you said, you, um, like a ghost experience. Uh, an odd well, one what, is that, what happens when there's no more lessons to be learned? Then you don't come back. You Where move you up the scale. You go up the scale, there's more jobs. You can be the ones that, every, every life lesson we have after the soul group, we have a review done. Uh, not first, there's no scolding, there's no judgment, none of that crap. It's there to help you to go over the life and there's no trying to hide it. They know exactly what, and they just make suggestions that maybe you could finish that one quicker, blah, blah, blah. Those ones are people that don't have to come back. You can be guides. You've probably heard of guides. And they, uh, so you, it's so like you work your way up and to the point where I don't know. Remember, I'm not there. But mm -hmm. if you read Michael Newton's books, it explains that. But 
an interesting one is that I had one lady I worked with and we were talking about stuck lives. We got to that and she had mentioned at the beginning though that she moved in with her boyfriend a few years ago and right off the bat things started happening. Things fell off the walls, lights would go off and on and her boyfriend who was you know, interested in paranormal had never seen that at that house. So it wasn't like it scared the crap out of them, but they couldn't figure it out. When I went to my stuck life, her stuck lives, and we went to one of them, that one turned out to be the one that was doing the light switches and doing the stuff. It was reacting. So here she had seen in her current life, her uh, stuck life affecting her. And when we took that back, that stopped happening at her house. So it, it, it's amazing. When I think I've seen everything, I, they show me more stuff. How about suicide? Does suicide screw things up? Yeah. Uh, when you go, well, mostly, when you go back to the soul group, the normal reaction is, hey, you're back, you know, hugs and stuff. Even though it's energy, you still, they often are, you see them more physical because it makes an easier transition. And hugs. If you commit suicide, there's a good chance that they won't, they won't be happy to see you because unless it was part of the lesson. Now, sometimes part of the lesson is to do that, but most of the time it isn't. And you think of it as a play. you got a play going and you're one of the main characters and for some reason you don't show up. Does it screw up the rest of the play? Yeah. Does it screw up the lessons for your, for your soul group that are also learning? Yes. So committing suicide and you'll come back to do the same lesson again. So don't bother. It's not going to help anything. Very rarely is it, but it can be part of the life lesson. And if people die young, I get people say, well, that baby was only about, you know, a couple hours or a couple of weeks. What, what was the lesson for that baby? What do you think the lesson is? Unless it may have been for the parents. Exactly. You're good at this. Yes, it's for the grieving of the parents. There's occasions where you might be a little bit above or ahead of some of your soul group because not everybody in the group go to the same life at the same time. Like if you need 10 people and you've got 20 or some aren't going. But if you, uh, what we're supposed to do is to make sure that we always help the ones in our group come up, you know, like stay together and get the same maturity level. So there are occasions where you might come into that life for no reason for yourself, but just to help some of the soul group members move up too. Um, what if a person feels like, man, this is just a bullshit life I have. I didn't pick oh. this. <laughs> Au contraire, we pick our lives. Now there is occasions where what happened is that when you get to with your group and you you got a role and you just really don't like it or don't want to do it, Apparently, you can sit out one, but you don't get to sit out another one. So you may as well go. Because you remember is that you're going to give back in energy, and energy is fun. And it's held together with love. It's really interesting to feel. I have my clients feel how it feels when they get into the soul group, and to describe it is, is quite nice. And it only happens when you learn your lessons. That stronger, that feeling gets stronger and stronger. I won't tell you too much because when I work with clients, I don't want them to know everything because then it's the power of suggestion. But it is nice. Hmm. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with the Tibetan Book of the Dead. And, you know, basically the premise of it is to prepare a person um, for death and for the next life. 
Um, nope. Can a pre person prepare themselves in this life for the next one? One thing is I've never heard of that book. Really? No, do they have lots of pictures in it? No. Like, <laughs> no, it's all words. <laughs> I like books. The last two books of mine have pictures. I like books with pictures. No, there's no preparing for the next for your next life. That, that's not right. You work on that lesson and you die. You go back. If you haven't learned it, you come back again with the new lesson and fix the old ones. But there's no preparing on this world for your next life. It, it's because you haven't decided until you get to your group. And it could be years. And again, there's no time actually at all. Past, present, see, future. Listen. See, I have decided what I want to be in my next life. I want to be king of the world. You have to stand in line. Did you take a number? <laughs> I think I did. <laughs> uh, it doesn't work that way. Nice try, though. No, we, in fact, again, we don't even, we pick our parents because I get people that say, what the hell would I pick my rotten parents for? And they don't always have to be part of your soul group because remember, if you need, say, 10 people and you got, and you only have five, you have to borrow. We do, borrow, our soul groups hang around with other soul groups of the same maturity. We keep together a bit so because sometimes we borrow from them. So it is apparently quite an interlaced, uh, worked out procedure but we do pick our parents some of the reasons it would be is that uh, unless we are supposed to be born with defects we are actually extremely healthy but sometimes you have to learn like how in that life to handle say diabetes or cancer or abusiveness or those type of things well we pick parent pick parents that are in a lineage that have that weakness so that you're more apt to get it so you can experience it. Like if you had to learn to be abused and it was like random, you could be going like, oh God, I got the happy couple again. I have to wait another life to get the abusive one. Well, you pick the abusive one so you can learn from it and maybe change it, that type of thing. So we do pick our, who's in, in uh, you know, different roles. Okay. Um you know, one of the, like, like in your, your most recent book, you talk about fears and phobias. That sticks out to me because I'm sort of unnatural in that way where I don't feel fear. Mm. Like, what would cause somebody to, to, to not feel fear? Uh, interesting, interesting is that you've had a life where you've covered lots of stuff. I don't know. Uh, you mean if somebody was to come at you with a gun, you wouldn't be afraid of being shot? That's happened to me. It doesn't even faze me. Oh, interesting. Well, we could certainly, if we're doing a session, we could certainly find out about that. But you're also more aware of, of past lives. Yeah, people with that believe in past or reincarnation and that type of thing generally don't have a fear of dying because it's like, it's not like a religion. My parents uh, believe that they're, in fact, donated to the church a lot to buy their way into heaven because it was like in their religion, it was a one-time thing. So, well, it, so when you do believe in reincarnation, that's quite likely why it's affecting you like that. Because if you die, you're going to come back and maybe be the king or something. So... <laughs> But in fears and phobias, okay, as I mentioned earlier, I've dealt with about 141 different fears. Now, I keep a lot of stats. What do you think the four most common are? 
I'm going to go with Heights. That's number one, yeah. Um, I, I think people, a lot of people are probably afraid of money, financial. That's number three. It's called Fear of Success, yeah. Um, Two more. Death? Nope. No? Um, well, it's in there, but it's way down around 130s or something. Top four. You got two of them. You get a virtual cookie. Cookies are on the line here. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's a tough one because I don't really feel them, you know? I know. That's what I was thinking. Uh-huh. Number two is called claustrophobia. Yeah, I don't have that. And number four is fear of deep water. Hmm. A lot of people don't swim because they have a fear of deep water. This is brought in, of course, from past lives. Keep in mind, back in the olden days, people got around on big wooden sailing ships across the oceans, and they would take forever. And most of the people that worked regular on them almost never learned to swim because they knew they were going to be out in the ocean for their life. And if your ship sinks in the middle of the Pacific, how far can you swim? Not far. A lot of this stuff is from stuff in the water, like, like the sharks and stuff like that. That's what often gets people. It's not like those people with the fear of deep water often admit that being in a swimming pool, no big deal. They can see in the water. It's the stuff they can't see. Hmm. So that is why this is number four. Claustrophobia is it's quite common. That's because we often got buried alive too. Hmm. See, I'm, I'm kind of funny. Like I always used to would make a joke. Like if I was ever to kill myself, I would tie a pot roast to my back and swim out in the ocean and fight <laughs> with a freaking shark. <laughs> I can't. I can't think of like a a, a more stoic way to go out. <laughs> that certainly certainly would be yes. I mean there are pills or something that might be easier nah, that's but, for wimps <laughs> <laughs> but you could do that oh, go in, out the, in the, show, in the ocean yeah, yeah. i want to die epic <laughs> <laughs> go down in history yes for sure no that's good i like i like chatting with you you're cool you know, <laughs> thank you and stuff that i'm doing now i have four books as you mentioned or i mentioned or somebody mentioned what it is, is I started my first book, and I gave it a cutesy name, Life in the Past Lane. And you probably know what that's similar to. So, so it's kind of like the fast lane, but without the cocaine and women? Yeah, so Life in the Fast Lane, that's from the Eagles. Yeah, so that's Life in the Past Lane. Now, I didn't realize that I had so many interesting case histories. Like, you got about 20,000 of them, and I realized... How do I narrow it down? The first book now I did is a mixture, and I can read. I'll read off some of the things. Turtleneck syndrome. Now that's an interesting one. When we bring in the aches or pains from a past life, and the body cells uh, duplicate it, it'll be because of something that stopped you from doing your lesson, being hung, or having your neck sliced, or your head cut off, or strangled. Often people have what is called, and I call it, turtleneck syndrome. It means that you can't wear turtlenecks. You can't have anything touching your neck or close to your neck. And about 40, 42% of the world have that concern. Again, you're brought in being hung, stuff like that. It's also why you often people get um, thyroid problem around their throat because they 
were hung because they spoke out too much and that keeps them from speaking. But anyhow, the turtleneck syndrome starts off with sleep concerns, allergies, cracking knuckles, hearing. So I did mix a number of things, lupus, fibromyalgia, chewing nails, chewing nails. Uh, I get people that come in occasionally that say, I have nothing wrong. I just wanted to find out more about it. Every one of those people, Gary, through the years, within 10 minutes, I'll have at least five things on a list for them to check on because they thought it was natural, cracking their mm -hmm. knuckles, this one guy did. And I said, why are you doing that? And he says, what? I says, cracking your knuckles. I can't stand that. Oh, it helps loosen my knuckles. Really, then why don't everybody do that? Why doesn't? It's because, and sure enough, he was in a dungeon being tortured, and they were cutting his fingers off. Basically, what it is, your subconscious is having you crack them to remind you that they're still there. So nail biting also People, do you know people of chewing nails? They have yes. been chewing nails. It's to do with dungeons mostly. It's because they didn't feed you well in the dungeons. Isn't that amazing? So people chewed their nails because it was a bit of like some kind of food form stuff. That irritable bowel syndrome also comes from dungeons because they didn't give you good food. Eyes. So, so I did a mixture of stuff. Then I realized that I wanted to also do one more specific or mix in there. My book, which is book two, it's which is called Life in the Past Lane the series fears and phobias so that's a big book on the fears and phobias the different categories from and so i put that into a second book so these are case histories but they also show people that do read them that come back and say wow i didn't know such and such was it was something that could be eliminated because i can't you know mention every single thing on it in the talk but there's a lot like the fears of heights you got bridges falling spider snakes crowds water on your face sharks clowns i've actually had four people with fears of clowns smoking oh, wait that's not a fear okay oh yeah it's a fear that you can't stop blimps flying needles dentists claustrophobia there's tons of stuff so these are a few examples of each one then the third one it was i made it more specific aches and pains like the past lane aches and pains this is more exact and the listing on that as he tries to find it while he's talking is here we go different parts of your body but lower back overweight uh, well, basically different every part of your body all has past lives that case histories to explain where they went with that and that it's gone but my fourth one i got two more to go it's called crimes against humanity it's actually red the book is the color red each of them are blue, green, yellow, but this is red because to do with is blood. And it's to do with serial killers, Jack the Ripper, World War II atrocities, torture dungeons, witches, and sexual assaults. Now, it's not to do with the gore per se, but it's just that what happened from them, that's a common thing in your current life that you can let it go. Again, nail biting, cracking knuckles, uh, a number of stuff. And for your client, for your people out there who are interested, if they're interested in buying the book, is my books, I have a special on. Normally, my store is selling for 15 to 20 bucks each. But right now, because I need more room so I can write, get the next ones in, is that if you buy one book, it's $10. Two books, $15. Three books, 20 and if you buy all four, it's 25 plus with the four books, I throw in a CD of my Relaxation Plus. That's a good deal. Mm -hmm. The only thing, you do have to pay for the shipping. 
but because I'm not, I don't have a you know white beard and red outfit. So, <laughs> ho ho ho! But it's still a pretty good deal, and I do get them out. So I've got them going everywhere, Australia, lots of places. So that is what I do there. Next question. Um, hmm. What is the most bizarre? past life experience that you have ever heard? I mean, come on, I got, give, give me something that's way out there. Well, Shock, shocking, bizarre, you know? Yeah, okay. I get people think that they can't go too far back. I have actually had 34 people go back to caveman days. And what happens is, is that one of the most interesting ones from that area is a lady who came in, she said, I got an allergy to everything. Don't know how she lived that long, but anyhow, she had an allergy to everything. So I said, let's let your subcon take you back to the past life. Within moments, she saw, I'm in, an, I'm a cave woman in a group. Uh, I got the furs on and stuff. And she said, there's about 25 of us and I'm the only one still alive. They'd all been dying quickly. And in that sort of a cave that they were in. And what it was, then I simply say, like, again, I go, that's interesting. Like, I have no idea what that's about. So that's when I have your subconscious go now, let explain what caused the concern. And all of a sudden she goes, ah, it's to do with the Ice Age. When the Ice Age came along, everything, all diseases and whatever happened, and that, they're all frozen, okay? Now, just a little side thing to explain further on this one is that a lot of people don't know is that native Indians in North America had a major percentage of them die from the smallpox that the people brought over from Europe. Right. right. Heard of that or not? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That heard. And I think we're talking 30, 40%. That's because the native Indians did not have an immunity or a resistance to it. And that's what happened. So when the ice was melting from this ice age, a lot of the diseases or viruses or whatever from that era were now being exposed and the local animals would be eating the grass or stuff or, or what have you. And then they would eat the animals. They were picking up the diseases or whatever it was from that, from that ice age. And they had all kinds of stuff. So there's the allergy to everything. And when she saw that, the last I heard from her, she said, they're all gone. That's what I like about how, how this works. Once you see where it came from, and it makes sense, it's all gone. But an inter have, really have, interesting. Have you, ever, have you ever had a client mention anything? Like, there's a lot of rumors now that, that, that human civilization, that there's been multiple human civilizations on the planet because the archaeology yeah. finds things that they before mankind existed on this planet. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had anybody like talk about any of those civilizations? Like where they talk about like, like the pyramids that they're finding in Antarctica, stuff like that. Or some of the cities or, or Atlantis. Talk. Yeah. Well, I've had, yeah. Well, backing up, I've had people, a couple of people talk about the lizard people. Reptilians. Yeah. Yeah. Reptilians. And they still are around. They're more not noticed, but, but anyhow, they, there was that. Uh, Atlantis, I've had a number of people from Atlantis, and basically it was just the vibration went and shattered 
they worked on crystals more and it apparently went and the other place, what do you call it? Um, not Atlantis. Is it Lumeria or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Similar to, yes. There's been other lives, yes. When people find stuff from thousands and thousands of years ago and they wonder how in the heck it could be made. Interesting too, but the, you mentioned the pyramids. Now, again, I just relate what people tell me. And sometimes they're contradictive. Two people, or a number of people said that the pyramids were built and they died because they were part of the group that was moving the, the big stones on the rollers and getting crushed and stuff. But I had two people said that they were controlling small, uh, like flying saucers that lifted, that had the power of lifting the blocks because they mm. do wonder where they came from because it's not local, those right. rocks. And you got to remember the weight of them is amazing. So I have heard that. Um, but sometimes I get two different people that confirm the same type of thing. I've actually had a person that said that Pluto is where a lot of the uh, UFOs and people stop because they, Pluto has apparently lots of crystals. And crystals are often what? some spaceships use and then about a year later I was talking I had somebody else doing doing a session and about planets and I said is there anything special about Pluto and the person said yeah it's got lots of crystals now these two people didn't know each other so a lot of times this does happen I get confirmations or stuff again I just write down what they say and I do have an open mind but one of the most interesting ones lately, though, that I do is when I get people that come in and they don't know, they don't really have anything on their list. And I'll say, uh, a lot of people don't know that hearing and vision are also past life. A good example I love using, and uh, I still get goosebumps when I talk about this one. There's a lady about 35 years old. This happened about, I guess, about three years ago east in the eastern Canada. When I work with a client in my office or live as opposed to uh, Skype, I have them put on a set of headphones and I use a little microphone. It's all hooked to a mixer and then I can talk them through it. Now, even though they're right in front of me, I like doing that because sometimes there's other noises outside, etc. Plus I can put music in there. Uh, I call boring music to help them, you know, a bit, bit slowing down a bit more so we have a special cd that actually my wife and son made but it's on a loop i don't need to hear it so when i was getting ready to work with the girl put on the headphones i said no i just want to check on the music because uh, some people have different he hearing levels she said what music i went hmm so i turned it up she said no no music i turned it up louder than i would for anybody she says ah that's nice now I said, then I said to her, you have hearing concerns, don't you? She said, how do you know? Duh. Then I realized when you get people with poor hearing, watch them closely. They'll watch your lips. They're starting to learn to lip read too. So I said, how long have you had this? She said, well, since I was about 15, there was more left here than the right, but both were not very good. So make a long story shorter, what I did was go back to the past life. She was a girl about 15 same ages in this life. It's not always happens that way, but it does. And it was a, their, their mom and dad, a farmer, and it was kind of like a rundown thing. Dad was, mom was screaming that there, the dad there was a rat in the living room. They didn't have good doors. So dad went to get his rifle. And she said, I was in another room and being nosy, 
which she said she is in this life. We do bring along our characteristics. She came around the corner to see and the rifle went off and it got near her ear and it deafened her in that life. And the interesting thing I really like about what I do is how quickly this works. Mm-hmm. When she saw that, she said, can you turn the music down? That was amazing. I know, because it had quickly let go. It was being held, the hearing process, and it let go. I get a lot of this type of stuff. Have you ever had a reincarnated Bigfoot? No. (laughs) (laughs) So nobody, nobody's reincarnated as a human that was previously a Bigfoot? But you gave me an idea, an idea. I might just, next time I'm working with somebody, I do have a couple people just to do some more research. I should mention if about Pat, what the Bigfoot, because I believe there it is. They, they are there somewhere. It's not uh, made up. There's so many things. Uh, one person found or mentioned about birthmarks. A lot of people have birthmarks, and they said you may as well call them death marks. They're not a birthmark. They're a death mark because that's bullet holes or stab wounds or what have you that killed you in that life, burn marks. And... But an interesting thing, a lady at one time I talked, she said, I think it's more hereditary. And I said, why? She said, well, I have a birthmark on the back of my neck, back of my head, sort of. And my two sons have the same birthmark. Now, that does sound a bit like it could be hereditary. Now, I knew I was having a session with her. So I said, let's check in the session. So we took a moment and I said, I just have going to show you about the commonality of the birthmarks. And she went, oh, my God, you're right. She said, my two sons are from my same soul group. All three of us were in a different life, and we were all soldiers caught and executed with a bullet to the back of the head. So, not hereditary. Hmm. What a terrible way to go. (laughs) There's a lot of factors, too, like um, sleep. I ask people, you know, do you go to sleep quick or slow, and different hands go up for different things. If you go to sleep slow, which is about half the people, more more so female, not it's not a picking, it's not a sexist thing. It's just the female brain actually can start conversations in four parts of their physical brain. They've proven men can't start and can don't have any points, so we can only do one conversation. Women can multitask. That is why they're good at that. But when they go to sleep at night, they got four or five more voices going, what if, what if, what if, what if that keeps people awake or another factor is you were killed during your sleep but a lot of people like me i just gotta go if i have something to do tomorrow i think i do this this yep i'm done because if you have a good night's sleep the reason why we have to sleep every 24 hours gary is because your conscious does hold what you did for the day okay Yes. And it can get full. If you ever had a time when you're studying for something and you start feeling like you're, you're like things are bouncing off, it's because you filled it up. Forget it. It's not going to work. So when you go to sleep, your conscious, subconscious meat, everything you did for the day drops down, it's filed and sorted. If you didn't have a good night's sleep the next morning, you wake up and that does happen, is that you're already still half plugged, so it doesn't take long to screw up the rest of your day. But if you go to sleep at night quickly and just have a good night's sleep, your what-ifs the next day will be easier to handle because you'll be more refreshed. There's so many things I get asked that many years ago, uh, being a bit more naive, I got asked this one lady that she had some libido, a problem with her libido, and I went, is that a car? (laughs) Okay, (laughs) four-door car. 
but no, it's it's her sexual interest. And sure enough, I did find out, and it's mentioned in uh, in the last book, is to do with in dungeons. Fortunately, if you were a female in a dungeon, you were probably raped almost every day. Lots of guards, because that was their little perk. And think of the logic. Remember, if something happens to you and uh, continually, mm-hmm. it kind of loses interest. So when you're in this fo- uh, human form, the sexual desires could be a bit not there because uh, you brought it along. Again, lessons not finished, so that can be adjusted too by letting go of the lessons where it came from. Claustrophobia, you remember we mentioned that? Yes. I've had a few people say at certain times of the night, one lady said it was about 3, 310 every, every night. For 30, 40 years, she wakes up, takes her half an hour to two hours to go, to, or an hour to go to sleep. I said, let's check it out. Sure enough, what happened was she got buried alive. What happened back in the olden days, remember doctors weren't that, uh, you know, equipment-wise. The, te- the test, if somebody was in a coma, they wouldn't really know. They, and the test for if somebody's alive was either fog a mirror or move a feather. So not very, very accurate. So a lot of people did get buried alive, not intentionally. I mean, that did happen, but not intentionally generally. And that's where I learned that expression about, a, you know, he's a dead ringer or his face sure rings a bell. Because what happens is, is that and there's reports of grave robbers into, going into graves and f- often finding scratch marks on the inside of the coffin. Because when you wake up and you're buried below, there, I don't know why, but some people panic. Duh. And in the old days, if you had a bit of money, they would have people that they hired to be work the, the graveyard shift, which I thought was just working midnight. No, they would have a bell attached down to a string to your face. And if you panicked, it rang a bell, they would, they would have time to dig you out. So that's where that expression is, face through rings the bell comes from. And that's where the graveyard shift came. I, I've learned a lot more about history from doing this than, than way back in school. Also, I said, when t- let yourself go and tell you, what time did you wake up? She said, 310. <laughs> Subcon is very good at telling accurate. So there's where, why she woke up at 310. And last I heard from her, she reported she's never had a problem with waking up in the middle of the night anymore. Incredible. So um, this, I'm going to wrap this up. Um, what Do you have a website and how, how, my, how can my listeners find you? Okay, what I'm doing is I mentioned the books right? and also my training. I've, I've trained people to do what I do. It is not complicated. You don't need degrees. You just want basically have ability or want a desire to help people because most of your people that you know are clients, aches and pains. So I was teaching for the last seven years. I've had occasionally I'd held a class or two different places, one in Mexico one time or pick a city and people would fly in, but you know, just small classes, two to five. Yeah, again, it's not everybody can afford to take time off and the costs of air and hotels. So as of last year, I worked my course into online. Now this is called one-on-one online training. I still get people say, how big is your classes? And I said, what part of one-on-one got you confused? It's <laughs> one-on-one. I work with 
with uh, Skype. You have to get your Skype going. It's not difficult. And I send you the script because it's a script I've worked out through the years. I'm updating it even from some of my grads. And I go over it with you. And then you work on some people, some practice, find some, and it's easy to find people that have those conditions and like it for free too work on a few then I'll watch you do some and then I'll do some that in fact I'll work on your client so you can watch rewatch and basically learn it from that way if if you and how fast you want to work it's up to you this way it doesn't affect you if you're working or or it or can't afford the traveling and it's just as effective my first good one actually I finished the first very good and again less than two months was in California the last, lately, it's been slowing down, but they're picking us because people had a hard time finding volunteers that would come over to their house. Because remember, they weren't supposed to bring people to their house. Right. But now it's starting to loosen up a bit. Like I've now done sessions live in my office here. Uh, well, that weird expression, live as opposed to dead. I mean, in person <laughs> instead of on Skype. But I still do sessions on Skype too. So what I want people to do if you'd like to check out what how this works this training just have to uh, email me now the books if you want to order them same thing the email is cl that stands for the chris lee cl at pastliferap.com now rap sounds like rapping but it's not r-a-p stands for regression and progression it's not shorter than writing it all out so past p-s-t life l-i-f-e-r-a-p.com email me for information on either the books or on training because this is a nice career some of my students make a career you don't have to you can just fix all your friends and stuff but it's nice to help people and you don't need degrees and that kind of stuff to do this so get this email me and I'll send you the information or chat with you on on, on uh, Zoom. No, the Facebook Messenger. I just did it earlier today. It works so neat. <laughs> so, and I have, my website is pastliferap.com. So, yeah, obviously when people have females, the first part, CL at, is the rest of it's the, the, uh, uh, the uh, website. But the website will show you the books and, and, and explain a little bit about what's in them. But don't, don't you can't order on from a website. Email me. Okay. So I'm going to put your email address and a link to your website in the notes for this podcast so my listeners can contact you. Perfect. So, again, please just check with me and see how easy it is to be do this. If you actually become a past life regressionist. But you also get the certification of, of of clinical hypnotherapy as well. Great. Well, thank you for coming on and sharing your experience and asking answering some of my crazy questions. Mm-hmm. One quick thing: I also get rid of migraines, lower back problems, arthritis, fibromyalgia, lots of things. All of these come under that. So find, the books will explain more. No, it's my pleasure. Thank you, Gary, for having me on. Uh, okay and take care you too thank you have a great day can we chat off thank you for listening to everything imaginable please like and review this podcast on whatever platform you are using 
The Help Seas podcast will be up in the ranks and easier for people to find. Also, tell your friends, family, co-workers, and even that weird uncle. And tell it be that weird uncle. If anyone wants to be a guest, you can email me at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and LinkedIn. My website is www.everythingimaginable2020.com. And Patreon is patreon.com forward slash everything imaginable. You can make a donation to support this podcast. Remember, everything that is was first imagined. Thank you for listening and see you next week. You know, yes, you can also buy my book, Enlightenment Guarantee, the only book on Zen you'll ever need. It's available on Amazon, Kindle, and paperback.